Welcome to the College Park Church of Christ Sermon Series Podcast. This sermon was recorded at the College Park Church of Christ in the Conroe Porter area. Join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thanks for studying the Word of God with us. Good evening to you. I want to join with the other uh, brethren and welcoming you tonight. Appreciate you choosing to be here on your Wednesday night, study God's Word together. We're going to look tonight at a phrase that we hear from time to time. Um, that you see posted sometimes on social media, this idea of be true to yourself. And so we want to examine this from the light of Scripture and and look at this phrase and some of the implications of this phrase tonight. Now, if you've heard this phrase, you're familiar with it, you may also be familiar with the origin of what's most likely the origin of this phrase, and that is the old phrase, to thine own self be true. Uh, Now, unfortunately, some people think that that's a Bible verse. It's not a Bible verse. It's actually Shakespeare, and it comes from Hamlet. Uh, his play, and in this particular play, the context of what Shakespeare was writing, uh, Polonius, the king's advisor, had a son that was leaving for France, and he's giving him fatherly advice, and he tells him, to thine own self be true. And then his following statement expands on that. He tells him to be false to no man, to present himself as false to no one, to be genuine and authentic. And that in and of itself is good advice. We don't need to be hypocrites. We don't need to be false people. We don't need to put on shows. We do need to be genuine and authentic. But this phrase, to thine own self be true, that we may hear today as be true to yourself or stay true to yourself, really the meaning of that has been hijacked into something else and no longer just simply means don't be a hypocrite or don't put yourself out falsely to people. It has taken on a whole new meaning in this age that we live in. So I want to talk about some of those things with you today. I think it can be boiled down to four kind of ideas, this statement of be true to yourself. And I've got some posts here that I've run across on social media, on the internet, uh, and you've probably seen similar things like this. But one idea behind this be true to yourself is this concept of know who you are, accept who you are, and embrace who you are. And this is what our society says, be true to yourself, stay true to yourself. You are who you are, accept that and embrace yourself. And you can see that there's power in staying true to yourself. Embrace it. And that's a popular idea today. Another popular idea that goes along with being true to yourself is this idea of making your own choices, living life the way you want to live it, right? We've got this uh, quote here from Ralph Waldo Emerson, who said to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. The greatest accomplishment, he says, is to be yourself. Stay true to yourself. A third thing that kind of comes along with this idea of be true to yourself that we see from time to time is don't live to please anyone else or live by their rules or their truth. Live by yours. You see this uh, statement here, do your own thing on your own terms and get what you came here for. And that's an idea that our society unfortunately espouses today Do things your way. Don't look to please anybody else. And finally, don't change who you are for anyone. You're perfect just the way you are. And so this idea, when you hear this phrase, be true to yourself, stay true to yourself, really most of the time when you hear that, it's not talking about don't be a hypocrite. Sometimes it could be talking about, hey, be willing to stand out. Don't blindly follow the crowd. I'm not saying there's not a legitimate usage of the phrase. But many times when we hear it, it means something along these lines. Embrace your true self. You're perfect the way you are. Don't please anyone else or try to please anyone else. Be you. 
And so we want to examine this from a biblical lens and ask that question, is this biblical? Well, let's go through these one at a time. So these phrases on, on the one hand, if you, if you look at it from one hand, it kind of seems to make sense and it kind of seems nice to hear, right? I can accept who I am and just embrace that. And that gives me validation and it makes me feel good about myself if this is true. If who I am is perfect and wonderful and I just need to accept who I am and embrace who I am, well, I'm validated. All of my flaws, all of my weaknesses, they're not really flaws or weaknesses. They're just what makes me me. And I need to embrace that. That's what this philosophy says. And who doesn't want to be validated in that way? Who doesn't want to be able to live their own choices or be free of trying to please other people? That's why this idea is enticing. But I think underneath these ideas, there is a dangerous message uh, that's being put across to us and that we're being asked to swallow. So let's look at these uh, one at a time here. First, know who you are and accept who you are and embrace who you are. Listen to your feelings. Listen to your desires. Listen to your heart because surely your heart won't lead you astray. You are who you are. Your heart will tell you who that is. The problem with this idea scripturally is that we recognize that none of us are perfect. In fact, when we look at the scripture, we see that all of us are the opposite of that. We are all sinful beings. Psalm 51 and verse 5 says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. This is David talking about being born into a world of sin and growing up around sin in an environment of sin. And when he wrote, grew up, he sinned, just like all of us do. Romans 3.23 tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is the story of every human life. We are born into a sinful world, and eventually, through our own actions, we choose to, to rebel against God and sin against him. We are in desperate need of a Savior. That's what the Scripture teaches. But if you don't recognize that, if you don't recognize that we have sin, that we're not perfect, if you follow this idea of know who you are, accept who you are, and embrace who you are, then you'll not realize the need for repentance, for change. For the salvation that Jesus is offering, change is not necessary if this is true. If you never recognize that you're a sinner, you'll miss God in the process because God wants to save sinners. To me, the irony of this concept of know who you are, accept who you are, and embrace who you are is that if you really do know who you are, then you know that you're a sinner. If you really do accept who you are, then you accept you need the saving blood of Jesus Christ. And if you embrace who you are, I think that that would lend itself to embracing the need for Jesus. And that's ironic to me that the, the meaning behind this phrase is so opposite to what really the truth from Scripture is. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And I want us to recognize the flip side of this concept as well. Who we really are is sinners. But in Christ, when we are saved by the blood of Jesus, who we really are is a new creation, a sanctified, justified, saved person that has a home in heaven if we'll follow the things that God is asking of us to do. The crux of the matter is this. This hinges on your willingness to allow self or God to define who you really are. And so I want to ask you tonight, who defines who you are? Is it you, your heart? your feelings, yourself, or will you allow God to define you, to tell you who you are? And if you will do that, you'll understand the need to change. 
If you refuse to allow God to define you and say, I'm good how I am, I'm going to accept myself and embrace myself, then you've fallen into the trap of being your own man or your own woman and losing the opportunity to have a relationship with God in the process. Let's look at this number two. Make your own choices. Live your life the way you want to live it. You know, the amazing thing about God is that he has given us free will, right? So in one respect, this is totally a true statement. You can make your own choices. You can do what you want to do. God is not going to force you to do anything. You have the free will to choose for yourself, and you can live your life any way that you want. The question is, should you? Should you live your life the way that you want? Should you make choices as your heart desires and your feelings lead you? In Matthew 22, no, I'm sorry, in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12, the scripture says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Here's the problem with this idea that we need to make our own choices, live life the way we want to. Our heart will lead us astray. Our mind will lead us astray. Our logic sometimes will lead us astray. Our own understanding of things will lead us astray. There are many paths and, and opportunities to go that look good, that look right. And we go, this has got to be right. This has got to be good. I'm going to go this direction. And we find out once we've done that, man, was I wrong. That wasn't the right path. It wasn't good. And the reality is we were listening to ourselves instead of listening to God. We were making our own choices. We were living life the way we wanted to. But should we have? No, the reality is there are ways that seem right to man, but the end are the ways of death. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 26 says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. How often do you hear phrases about be true to yourself? Look into your heart. See who you really are. Follow your heart. Allow your heart to guide you. These kinds of concepts and phrases, and I just want you to understand the scripture teaches our heart is, can make us a fool if we trust in it. Our feelings, our inward person, that, that's following after every wind of change, following after every emotion, following after every feeling, after every lust or desire, our heart will lead us astray. So be true to yourself. Stay true to yourself. Make your own choices. Live life the way you want to live it. Is that really the best philosophy to live by? The scripture would say no. I think when we read these passages in Proverbs, it's easy to see the problem with this concept and the way that, uh, the way that we think about this because being true to ourselves ultimately leads us away from God, away from trusting him and living for him, and ultimately puts ourselves up on that pedestal, as James talks about, that idol that we live for becomes the idol of self instead of allowing God his rightful place. Let's look at number three. Don't live to please anyone else or live by their rules or their truth. Live by yours. You know, when it comes to uh, living to please someone else, I'm going to read Matthew 22, uh, 37 through 39. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, if we center our lives around self and we're true to ourself, then sure, we don't have to live to please anyone else. Where we put ourselves in number one and we're going to live to please ourselves. But if we center our life around God and around serving others, as Jesus instructs in this passage, as the scripture teaches, by necessity, we are working to please someone else. And that's not a wrong concept. That's not a bad concept. You know, our American individualism, I think, comes into play sometimes where we think, ah, 
I'm not doing anything for anybody else. I'm doing it for me. It's all about me. And the reality is, as Christians, we've got to simmer down on that a little bit and recognize it's not all about me. It's all about God, and it's all about others. And Jesus summed up the entire old law in these two phrases, to love God and to love others. And if we love God and we love others, then we're going to seek to please God. And we're going to seek to do things that please others, not in a negative way, but in a way that helps them, that gives to them, that, that uplifts them. When you love someone, you want to see them happy, don't you? I want to see my wife happy. I want to see my kids happy. I enjoy doing things and spending time with them that provide that happiness, that please them in that sense. It's not wrong to live to please someone else. We just need to make sure that we're ultimately pleasing God first above anyone else. John chapter 17 and verse 17, we see Jesus praying to God. Uh, and he's, he's in the garden there, he's praying for his disciples, and he makes a statement in this prayer that he's praying not only for the disciples that are there, but for all that would come through the spreading of the gospel, and that includes you and I. So in John 17, he's praying this prayer on our behalf as well, and he says, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And this is in regards to the second half of that phrase, living by their rules or truth. And this idea of be true to yourself would say, don't live according to someone else's truth or anyone else's truth or their rules. Live by your truth, by your rules. And the reality is, where does truth come from? And how do we know what truth is? If we take this philosophy of be true to yourself, we're essentially saying, I am the creator of truth. I am the determiner of truth. And so I'm going to follow my own, my own truth. And that's essentially what that phrase means. But if we follow what the scripture talks about, we recognize that truth is not relative to the person. It's not relative to the individual. Truth is not different for me than it is for you. There is truth, but that truth comes from the word of God. Jesus asked that his disciples would be sanctified in the truth or through the truth and told us where that truth is found, and that's through God's word. So we need to recognize where the source of truth is, and it's not our heart. It's not ourself. It's not our mind. It's not our understanding. Be true to ourself is an incorrect phrase. We need to instead look to God for the source of that truth. In John 14 and verse 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you want to have a living, good, thriving relationship with Jesus Christ, you have to live by his rules. That's part of the deal. You can't create your own truth. He is the truth. You have to be willing to submit to that truth, to him. Anything else doesn't work. So if be true to yourself means I get to set the rules, I get to be the determiner of truth, then I cannot walk in true fellowship with God because I've rejected the truth, and that is Jesus. Number four, don't change who you are for anyone. You're perfect just the way you are. Be true to yourself. You're perfect. That's what this philosophy says. It is a popular trend in, in life philosophy today. Uh, and you can see why. Again, it's that validation of there's no need to change anything. There's no flaws. There's no weaknesses. Whatever you you know may have seen at one time as a flaw or weakness, don't look at it that way anymore. Just recognize that you're perfect the way that you are. The problem with this idea, of course, is that God has asked us to change when we come to him, when we start a relationship with him. He wants to make us a new creature, a new person, changed in his image, conformed to the image of Christ. He wants us to walk according to the footsteps of Jesus, to follow in his example. He wants us to shine the light to the world. Nowhere in Scripture in the New Testament did God ever say, I want a relationship with you just like you are, and I want you to stay just like you are. 
what God has said over and over again to us is that if we come to him and want a relationship with him, we've got to submit to his rules, to him as the truth, and ultimately be willing to change because I'm sorry to burst the bubble, but we're not perfect. I am not perfect and neither are you. I have flaws. I have weaknesses. I have things that God is asking me to change about myself. And I've got to be willing to do that, even though the, the you know, meme on the screen or the phrase on the screen would say, don't change so people like you. Be yourself and the right people will love the real you. And that sounds enticing and that sounds great. You're just around the wrong people. Get around the right people and they'll love you for who you are. But the one that we need to be around, that we need to be with, that we need to have a relationship with is God. And what God has told us is that we're not perfect just the way that we are. He wants us to turn from our sin and submit to him in righteousness. Notice this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. As Paul is writing here to the church at Corinth, he says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. A couple of things I want to notice from this passage. One, he lists, and this is not an exclusive list. It doesn't mean that if it's not on this list, it's okay to do. But I want us to recognize there is a list that's created here that he says, if you're doing these things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So first off, we just need to recognize the fornicator, the idolater, uh, the effeminate, the abusers of themselves of mankind, the thief, the drunkard, pick one. If that's me, I'm not perfect the way that I am. I can't take this philosophy of I'm not going to change for anyone because I'm just right. God says I'm not just right. I'm not perfect the way that I am. I need to change. The people in Corinth, Paul reminded them, such were some of you, but you've been changed. You're different now. You're different through Christ. We can't be these things anymore. We've got to be different people, different creatures. The lifestyle choices that are listed here contradicted God's truth because remember, God ultimately is the source of truth. And these things needed to be changed in the lives of the people at Corinth in order for them to be in good standing with God. Now, God expects the same from you and I that he did from the people of Corinth. He's asking you to change. He's asking me to change just like he asked them to. In Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, we see this passage where Jesus says, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That's what repentance is, is change. It's a turn of the heart. It's no longer lifting self up on that idol, but it's putting God in that place and prioritizing God and changing to follow after his righteousness instead of our unrighteousness. And so we can be true to ourselves, and we can say, I'm not going to change for anyone. I'm perfect the way that I am. But if I do that, I've made a wrong and dangerous eternal choice because God has told me very clearly that I need to change in order to be right with him. Now I want to look at um, so is this biblical? First of all, I think we can see from these scriptures that it's not. This idea of be true to yourself, stay true to yourself, embrace who you are is not a biblical concept. It's a societal concept and it's stuff that's being pushed uh, onto us in a lot of different outlets and social media and in conversations and all those things. And I just want us as Christian people to recognize these phrases when we hear them and know what's underlying them, know what is what is underpinning them. And so I want to talk for just a little bit about some of the philosophies that underpin these phrases. 
And their philosophy is like humanism. Humanism is the idea that we're taking God out of the equation and spiritual out of the equation. We're focusing on human uh, solutions to human problems and humanistic explanations and naturalistic explanations for things. Um, and that certainly can be seen in this idea of being true to ourself, not God. It's a very humanistic philosophy. Relativism. Relativism is the idea that truth is not absolute, that my truth can be different than your truth, and that's okay. We can think differently about something, and we can both be right somehow. And the reality is, when we understand that God is the source of truth, then we see that truth is not relative to the individual. Truth is a standard. It's an absolute that all of us as individuals have to conform to if we're going to be in good standing with God. Uh, the philosophy of tolerance today. Now, tolerance is a, is a fun word because it sounds really good and positive. We want to be tolerant people. We certainly don't want to be intolerant or disrespectful or rude or mean or any of those things. But tolerance, even the definition of tolerance has changed. Tolerance, the actual definition of that is simply to respect somebody's differing opinion or belief and to not have to argue about it or not have to attack it. But really, when you hear tolerance today, what it really has become in a lot of circles now is tolerance means acceptance. Tolerance means not only do you have to respect the person and be willing to not fight about it, but you've got to accept that as truth. You've got to accept that as right. And you can't speak against it. You can't disagree with it. And I just want us to understand from a biblical standpoint that that's wrong, that we've got to be willing to stand on the truth of God's word. Now, we need to do that in a, in a loving way and speak the truth in love and all of those concepts. I'm not at all saying that we should be rude people or mean people at all. We should be Christians in every circumstance that we find ourselves in. But underneath the be true to yourself, stay true to yourself, embrace who you are, live for your truth, not somebody else's, don't please other people, all those phrases are these concepts of humanism, relativism, tolerance, and acceptance. So let's think through, uh, well, I want to read this quote to you from G.K. Chesterton. He said, tolerance is the virtue of the man without convictions. And really, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Because if we're going to be tolerant and accept everything that's thrown out as truth or as right, then we have no conviction. We have no line. We have no truth. We're simply bending to what it is that we hear. So it's imperative that you and I recognize the need for that absolute truth. If someone wants to enslave another person, is that right or wrong? How do we know that? How do we determine the answer for that? All of you in the audience are going, that's wrong. That's, that's terribly wrong. But if this concept of be true to yourself is right and it's a valid life philosophy, then who are we to say that's wrong for somebody else? To, maybe that's their true self, to be an enslaver of people. And so you understand with that, what if, we, if there's somebody that says, I want to commit murder, I want to kill an innocent person, that's my true self. Are we okay with that? Are we going to validate that as truth? Are we going to be tolerant and accepting of that? Or are we going to say, that crosses a moral line? And how do we know what that moral line is? Is it because that's whatever society has said the moral line is? Well, that can be shifted at any time. Is it because that's what I say the moral line is? Well, that's fine for me. But again, if we're going to take this view of relativism, I can't put my own truth on you. So who am I to say that you're wrong for that? I'm just going to stay away from you so I'm not the person you pick. I mean, that's essentially what we're going to have to boil down to. The reality is there has to be a line. There has to be a truth. And I hope that we see that and recognize that. And so even folks that espouse this philosophy, I think most of the time they don't even recognize that that's the end of the argument is that there are no rules at all. 
that there is no morality at all. There is no way to determine a line that anything can go. And we can just be people that all do whatever is right in our own eyes. And that's really the crux of this idea. You know, this idea of being true to yourself, it's a slippery slope. It can lead us to excuse any type of sin or bad behavior that we want to. And I want you to consider the following statement. I should really get a job, but work is boring and hard, and I'd rather sit around at home and play video games. That's my true self, and I've got to be true to myself. I don't love my wife anymore, but I do love someone else, so I'm going to leave my wife, and I'm going to go be with her. That's my true self. I've got to be true to myself, right? I'm not ready for a child. I have career goals I'm trying to accomplish. I'm going to end the pregnancy. I've got to be true to myself. I'm attracted to someone of the same gender. I need to be true to myself and embrace who I am. I was born a man, but I feel like I'm a woman. I need to be true to myself. And I hope that you can see that this idea of being true to yourself can lead to all of these issues being acceptable and being okay. And as you look around in society, what do we see? We're seeing these issues being touted as perfectly fine, perfectly okay, nothing wrong, and we're being asked to be accepting of it, to see it as valid, to see it as true. Again, folks, we're Christian people, and we need to be Christian people to whoever we are talking to. And at the end of the day, sin is sin. And just because we see something as maybe potentially worse than another sin, we do simply need to recognize that at the end of the day, we're all sinners, we all need Jesus, and we need to be Christians to anyone in any circumstance, but we in our own minds need to understand that there is truth and there is a line and that line is found in God's word, not in your heart, not in your feelings, not in society's philosophies, not in the political party that you support. That's not where the line is drawn. That's not where morality is taken from. It is taken from God, from his word, from his standard, from his truth. Where does it end? If we don't accept that, if being true to myself is most important, what happens when myself wants to be an abuser? What happens if myself wants to be a murderer or a pedophile or something else? And when we talk about things like that, most people that even would say be true to yourself would go, oh, no, that's wrong. That's immoral. The question is why? If that's the argument you're going to stand on, that truth is relative, that truth is about you, that you're the determiner of your own truth, then who are you to tell anyone else that they're wrong? The way that we have the ability to know what's right and wrong, the way that we can determine that in our own life, and the way that we can lovingly share that truth with others is by recognizing the source of truth is God and his word, not our hearts, not our feelings. Be true to God and not self. A couple of passages as we close. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow after me. Today we hear about being true to ourselves, staying true to ourselves, self-care, self-love, self-promotion. It's all about self. Self has become our idol and our focus. And what Jesus is asking us to do with ourself is not to put it on a pedestal is not to listen to it, is not to make it the center of our being, it's to deny it, to say no to self, and to say yes to Jesus. 
to say no to those things that we in our heart may want when it conflicts with what God has asked of us. That's what Jesus is asking of those that would take up their cross and follow him. And I hope that that's you and that's me. I hope we all want that to be followers of Jesus. And if we do want to be followers of Jesus, then we have to be willing to deny ourselves, to stop setting our own standards of right and wrong, to stop being the ultimate authority in our own life, but allow God to have that rightful place. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, the scripture says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Seeking to be true to yourself will lead some people to fall into that trap of idolatry, of self. Even if a decision feels right, remember that our heart will lead us astray. Our feelings will lead us astray. They will fail us and betray us. We have to be willing to put ourselves second and God first to allow him to make our paths straight by acknowledging him in all of our ways, in everything that we do, in every decision, in every thought, in everything about our life that we acknowledge God first. And so I want to encourage you as you think about the philosophy that you live life with, as you think about your belief system, as you think about your morals and ethics, as you think about the decisions that you're making in your life, the places you're going, the people you're associating with, the words you're using, the movies you're watching, the keep going on whatever that list is in all of your ways, in every action, in every thought, in everything that relates to your life, are you acknowledging God first? Are you giving him the proper place? Are you allowing him to be the source of truth, the determiner of what's right and wrong in your life? Are you putting him in that place and yourself second? That's the question that I have for all of us today. If we'll do that, we'll be much better equipped to be conformed to the image of Jesus and to be pleasing to God, which should be our goal in this life. In John 8, verse 31 and 32, the scripture says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If ye abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now I want you to know tonight as we close that God wants you to be set free. Free from the lies of a worldly society around us. Free from the bondage of sin that enslaves all of us. He wants us to be free from those things to give us redemption, to give us salvation, for us to have a home in heaven with him for eternity. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to come to him. You know, we hear that phrase a lot of times, come to God just as you are. Come to him as you are. You know, that's true, sort of. Come to God as you are, but don't stay that way. Come to God as you are, but be willing to repent. Come to God as you are, but don't stay the source of your own truth. Allow him to be the source of your truth. So come to God as you are as a sinner, but allow him to change you and work to mold yourself after him each and every day. As much as it hurts us to hear, perhaps we're not perfect people and we need to change. We need to be changed by God. And if you've not been changed by God tonight, you have an opportunity to do that. If you've been living your life for self and putting yourself up on that idol and living for what your heart and your feelings tell you is right, I want to encourage you to change that tonight and allow God to have his proper place in your life. So be true to self, be true to yourself, be true to God. That's the message of this evening. As you hear these phrases and you have these conversations and you hear and see these things shared, I want to encourage you to remember the conversation we've had tonight, the one-sided conversation. Remember the study, remember the scriptures that we've read, and remember where God should rank in our life 
as the source of truth, as the source of right, and the source of wrong. If you're here tonight and you're in need of the prayers of the church or in need of being baptized into Jesus Christ, we offer you that invitation now and ask you to come and take your place at a front bench as we stand and sing. Thanks for joining our sermon series podcast today. For more, check us out on YouTube or come worship with us on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings.